Nerds, Jared here. Mark from Podtricks reached out and wanted to pick my brain about building our podcasting platform. So I said, sure, let's record it for backstage. And that's exactly what we did. I hope you enjoyed this brief combo. If not, you could always go listen to that JS Party episode when Susan and I interviewed John Resig about GraphQL. It's in your show notes. All right, here we go. So tell me uh, what you're up to. So I'm a senior at Lindenwood University. Where is it located? Uh, St. Charles, Missouri. Okay, cool. Um, so as a part of my senior project, uh, on the side, I've been building out a podcast hosting platform because why the heck not? Mm-hmm. I really enjoy podcasting. I love audio, love radio. And I figured, hey, I also like coding. Let's merge the two. So my senior project really has been the development and uh, uh, building of the marketing site for the platform. And through listening to you guys, and I remember, oh gosh, I don't know how long ago this was. There was an episode that you did about scaling out how you had to build your own platform for everything. Um, And I figured, well, since I'm building my own platform, I thought it'd be a good idea to reach out to kind of talk about the challenges, uh, both expected and unexpected that you guys faced when you guys were doing that. Mm. Okay. So yeah, we, when we said scale out, we're referring to multiple shows. And so we were just the change log for many years. Mm-hmm. And when we decided to add multiple shows to our portfolio, specifically GoTime was the first one that we added. And then shortly after that, request for commits. Um, we now have about six shows that we do on a recurring basis is when we decided to actually build our own platform because we wanted all those shows to live under a single domain on a single platform with a single system and a workflow that we appreciate. And at the time, we were on WordPress and also co or double publishing over to 5x5 because we were on Dan Benjamin's 5x5 network at the time as well. So we would publish everything twice and that became a huge burden. And yeah. uh, that plus we wanted to add more shows. I think Founders Talk also existed on 5x5. Yeah, it did. But that was a show that Adam started on 5x5, um, not previous to. We moved that one over here as well. But that was really the, the decision why we wanted to build our own platform. Plus, we're software developers, just like you. Like, why not merge the things that we love? Yeah. And we wanted. We had a lot of desires for like custom workflows, custom aspects of our of our website that we could accomplish with WordPress, but because it was a hobby for me back then and kind of a side gig for me back then, I had to be motivated to write the code and I just don't get motivated about WordPress plugins anymore. It's just not exciting Uh to me. And so I didn't want to hack on WordPress. I would rather build something completely custom. So that was a decision-making process. Um, As you built it, what were some of the... um, considerations when you were going through like CDN providers or uh, uh, Mm -hmm. audio storage, uh, uh, I don't know, audio duplication basically to make sure that, you know, you have redundancy and stuff like that. Right. So the considerations around CDN was that we already had a CDN partner with Fastly. And so it was kind of an easy decision that way. It's like, well, we'll just use Fastly. They're our partner. They're a great CDN. And so how do we just build on top of their platform? And um, they're basically varnish in the cloud. So they provide a lot of customizability. It's kind of a programmatic thing. Um, And so we just had to basically integrate into Fastly. 
So that was that decision. So therefore, I didn't really put too much more thought into it. Maybe you wanted deeper thoughts on it, but I didn't go much deeper than that. Yeah. Um, when it came time to actually like upload the MP3s and where do they go and where do they live, um, I had picked Elixir as the programming language and Phoenix as the as the framework to build the web app. And I was a, somewhat of a noob at the time with those technologies. I was a long-time Ruby on Rails developer, so I was learning things in Elixir. And I had to accomplish the task of basically tagging up all the MP3s as we upload them. So we're not, again, you know, rendering an MP3, like putting all the metadata into some sort of ID3 tag thing and then uploading it into our system and then also putting that same information in our backend. We wanted our admin to be the source of truth. So you basically put all of the metadata into the uh, to the admin backend and it should just, you know, matriculate that information onto the MP3s into the tags. So to accomplish that, um, we shell out to FFmpeg basically, and the up at the uploads uh, time. And because of that consideration, I wanted to have local access to the MP3s because that just made my life a lot easier as a developer. Is if I can just have a local file shell out to FFmpeg, modify that file in place, that makes me happy. Um, and so that's why I didn't choose like a cloud storage provider like S3 at the time. So all of our MP3s are stored locally on disk in the v VM okay. uh, that runs. I think if I had to do that today, I probably would switch that and actually just go through the trouble of uploading to a third party because... You know, we've moved things around since then, and really those those static files uh, have been kind of a pain in the butt to manage. We have to back them up ourselves, so we do just have like a thing that backs them up to S3, so they exist there, and obviously they're served by the CDN ultimately, so it doesn't really matter where they live. But uh, that was the decision-making process at the time, was I was just didn't want to have to deal with a cloud upload plus some sort of cloud manipulation of the files, you know, across the network at the time. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm doing PHP development, and as if you were to read through the code, you'd see, ah, he learned something here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I completely get, like, oh, this is, don't want to redo that. Don't want to read, oh, this works. No, that doesn't work well. <laughs> yeah, um, trial and error is a big part of uh, oh, building yeah. an app. Like, literally, I just moved this last weekend, so like two or three weekends ago, I was working on the code, and I managed to break the app real good. Mm. Um, it ended up being that there was a semicolon missing in my JavaScript oh, somewhere. I want to get you. And I could not find it. So like, I don't remember changing anything in JavaScript. Well, apparently I did. What I ended up doing is I, uh, my, my code was so jumbled. And so like the folder structure was just a nightmare because mm -hmm. you know, you're like throwing the, you know, did this work? Did that work? Eh. Um, what I ended up doing is I completely redid the entire application's file structure in about three days and then was able to completely fix it. And then that's when I, halfway through that, I found, oh, sweet, the semicolon was missing. I can just keep going. I'm like, no, nah, I can move so much faster if I just push through this, you know, refactor right. of how the folders work. So, well, I would advocate for baby steps. That's one of my principles in development is never do a big refactor over three days without like slowing down and ensuring things work each step of the way. So like take a small that, step, yeah. ensure it works. Take another small step, ensure it works. Uh, that's what I was the, doing. 
one of the things I like to razz my wife about when we first moved into our, our previous home, she's a go-getter and she likes to get things done. And she did not like the power outlets uh, in the house. They're kind of like the old dingy yellow, you know, I talk about the actual covers and the outlets. And yep. so she replaced all the outlets in the house one day with nice white ones, you know. And uh, she didn't check her work each step of the way because, you know, it's pretty simple work, right? You just like, yeah. you just look at the way the wires are hooked up on the old outlet, right? You unplug them, plug them into the new outlet and move on. And I think she replaced like a dozen or so outlets. And at the end of the day, the power didn't work uh, to like one area of the house. Oh, that's funny. And it took us a very long time to find out where that semicolon was <laughs> in her power yeah. outlet search. Yeah. Because I said, well, you got to do, do one, test it. Do the next one, test it. I know it sounds like you're moving slower, but at the end of the day, you're actually going to move faster. Oh, yeah. I, uh, as a part of this whole refactor, I, I uh, created, I don't even know what to call it. I call it an anchor point just because in every directory, because there's so many subdirectories in like my API and stuff that I have this anchor.php and it literally calls the anchor.php folder, or, I'm sorry, file. Uh, in the directory above until it finally gets to init. Mm-hmm. It's totally inefficient as far as getting back to the, uh, uh, where all the you know constants are defined, all the right. stuff imported and all that. But I'm like, hey, for development, it's working and that's what's important. It's not super slow. It's not right. as fast as I would like, but like, hey, it's, it's working, so... Yeah. Um, well, are you using a framework or anything? Or are you just building everything from raw PHP? PHP. Files? Okay. So I, you're gonna reinvent a lot of wheels along the way. That'll be a good learning experience for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of frameworks, mainly because I have a very hard time understanding other people's code, mm-hmm. other other stuff like that. And I'm just like, it's probably better that I know how to do it myself anyway, and then eventually learn a framework. But I, I like understanding how things work because then I can understand where things are going wrong. Sure. Totally get that. Yeah. I have a hard time understanding my code. So that's why I like I don't think we all know. have a hard time understanding other people's code. code. Not so bad. When I did this. <laughs> exactly. It's like I know it was a really smart idea, but man, it's the same way. I, I put my keys in a really smart place, but I got to stop putting it right. in a smart place. Right. But where was yeah. it? Exactly. Exactly. I'm too smart for my own good. So yeah, those were our biggest considerations with like with CDN partner wasn't much th- thinking, and then with like where to store the files, it was really because I wanted local access so I could just rely on FFmpeg. Now there was no good Elixir library for editing the ID3 tags. Otherwise, it would been really nice to just stay in Elixir the entire time and not to have to have another because that is another binary dependency on your application as well. There is an ID3 v1 library, but there is not an ID3 v2 library. And so one of the things that we've wanted to do for a long time and have never done is to actually build that ID3 v2 library. Turns out v2 is way more complicated than v1. v1 was really nice. You could pattern match it on the binary and stuff. v2 is like very complicated, arbitrary number of headers and all this kind of stuff, frames in the header. And I just hadn't had the time and the skills to get that done. I don't have the skills to get it done fast enough. I could get it done right. slow, but I don't have slow time. So we've never built that. I would love to always remove, go time. Yeah. I would love to remove FFmpeg from our uh, pipeline, but so mm-hmm. far, I mean, and four years. And that's a third-party service? It's just a it's a library. It's a library and a and a binary. So FFmpeg okay. is like a command line tool. 
okay. you know, if you have on macOS, you can brew install FFmpeg, or if you're on Linux, yum install, whatever, RPM install uh, FFmpeg. And it's a really nice and rich, robust, complicated piece of software that mm -hmm. does all sorts of encodings and decodings from different file formats. It does video, it does audio, and it can write ID3 tags onto your MP3s. So we just use it for that purpose. We basically just tell it, here's my MP3 file, here's all the ID3 tags I want, like the title of the show, the author, the published date, all blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And we just tell it, slap that onto the MP3, and it basically just takes it and adds the headers. So it's just a command line tool that we just shell out to, and then it you know, modifies the files in place and it, it works. Yeah. It doesn't do everything we want it to do like chapters, but it works for what we needed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's only an hour long audio file. I'd be surprised if we had chapters. Well, we don't have chapters. We would like to have chapters because we think it'd be a cool feature for our, for our listeners. Um, but we haven't added them yet because of that reason is I would have to have a way of adding them in the admin we could put them, we could pre-process them and put them into the MP3 file and then upload it. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of the same principles. Like we want that, we want the same representation of the of the message or the the, the uh, show on yeah. our website as is it as is in the RSS feed as mm -hmm. is in the MP3 file. So if we're going to go through the the trouble of adding chapters, we want our website to have those chapters as well. Yeah. And so we want to just put them in on the in the admin while we while we're adding all the show's metadata, add the chapters, timestamp, title, whatever, and then have that written to the MP3 file. That's the goal. And we can't get there with FFmpeg, and I don't have the time to build an ID3 v2 library, so we're kind of stuck. Yep. Um, and then, so you said your the application's written in Elixir. Mm -hmm. I know you guys run Linode. Yeah. Um, what 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 database do you guys use? It's Postgres. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so I've I've seen Postgres everywhere. I'm on MySQL um, mm -hmm. just because that's what I started with. That's what sure. I know. That's what I've learned. But what are the benefits to Postgres over MySQL, or vice versa? Yeah, that's a nuanced conversation and uh, a deep one. Okay. In terms of the interface of how you use them, the the differences are nil because they both use SQL as a query language. So they'll have they'll have specific features that the other one doesn't have, and they'll have little nuances like MySQL handles this circumstance that way, and Postgres handles that circumstance this other way. And some people prefer one or the other. Historically, MySQL was faster, okay. uh, but it also was kind of played fast and loose with your data. And so Postgres was a little bit slower, uh, both in terms of like feature additions and just the the way that the uh, database worked, it was just generally slower, but more more sturdy and stable with your data. That was the reputations that they gained. Now, over the years, Postgres has started to move much faster in terms of both operating speed and development speed. And MySQL's had a fraught history because of the it was acquired by Oracle and then spun Ooh, off, and there's now MariahDB, and then there's MySQL, there's Mariah, and there's licensing issues and stuff like that. It's a totally fine database, and yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't advocate for a switch if you know one or the other. It just you have to know that database and what you're getting yourself into. There's times where MySQL will write out some null fields, and you'll be like, "Why would you know this should raise an error?" But it's actually just writing out empty data, and those are things that bite have bitten me in the past, which is one of the reasons why I switched. But also, it's just kind of like personal preference. I just know Postgres at this point much better, and so I just pick it up each time. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, with my with the so the application is called Podtricks. It started out just to be a like a, almost an RSS 
feed a rapper to get podcast metrics. And then I'm like, I was planning on building a podcast hosting thing anyway. Why don't I just do it in this? Mm-hmm. So um, what I ended up doing in the database is almost every single database field, except if it's like the primary key, has the ability to be null because mm-hmm. not every not in every time you do a write, it doesn't have to be not everything is required. If it's required, I want sure. it to be required in, in the application logic, not in the database logic. Because I don't mm-hmm. want it to be like appearing in the application that it worked and then it goes to the database. It's like, yeah, just kidding. Um, that makes sense. You can you can intertwine the database errors and constraints, mm-hmm. and you can bring them into your application through a process called, you often use reflection. And this was a nice thing, by the way, that a lot of frameworks will do, is they'll provide for you these kinds of additional features. So through reflection, like for example, in Ruby on Rails, when that application boots up, it actually goes and it inspects your database. Like it grabs the schema from the database and it says on this table, what are the constraints? What are the rules? And then I'm going to actually reflect those into the code. So they're already going to exist. And so there's the synchronization between your database logic and your application logic. And the nice part is you write it once. You only write it in the database and then you don't have to write it in the application. Now that takes a lot of trickery and a lot of code to get done, and that's yeah. again, you don't have any frameworks, you don't have any libraries, so it's a lot of code to write yourself, but if you can find yeah. something that does that, it's great to actually have that database logic. The reason why it's, why it's nice to have it in the code, like you said, if you change your mind a lot, then it's nice to have it in the code. Like I thought this was gonna be a required field, but actually it's not required, and so I don't wanna go t- change my database schema, I just wanna like change the code. Totally yeah. makes sense. Um, that being said, if something is required in your application, your database should be doing that requirement because it's the one that actually holds the truth, right? Your yeah. application code can change. Your database has to be solid and the data at the end of the day is more interesting and valuable than the code is. Yeah. And so in that case, I would want those constraints to be in the database, but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely are some things like, uh, the primary key. I mean, I can't. I, I don't have the option to make the primary key not required because it's the primary key. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, well, you don't want that to be optional because then you're gonna just have you know re- records that, that you can't find. How are you gonna find that record? It's just there's no key. Uh, Where'd it go? Exactly. Um. Yeah, but I. Uh, I through through that process, I somehow, some way, ended up creating two versions of basically the same table. Hmm. And, but it's it's. This is poor, poor planning on my part because it's, I have the episodes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I have the episodes uh, table mm-hmm. and then I have the audio table. And the idea behind that was to have the ability to create episodes. Like, you know, how, you know, how sometimes, uh, uh, I don't know if you guys do this, but sometimes podcasts will do like a re-release of an episode, like during holidays or summer break or whatever. Totally, totally. Um, the idea behind that was instead of uploading the audio again, going towards uh, if any storage quotas you may have, mm-hmm. you create almost a pseudo episode, but you map it back to that original audio. Totally. Well, yeah. So during the time that I don't have that feature, I have duplicate data. Right. But once I have that feature, suddenly it's going to be a great thing to have. That's a really cool feature, one that we do not have, and we've wanted it. We basically want the functionality of like 
our a self retweet. Like we want to be able to just retweet our episode into mm-hmm. our other feeds. So sometimes, and we've done this via rebroadcast, but we just do the thing that you don't want to do. We just manually create a new episode and then we just upload the audio a second time, yeah. which does provide some flexibility if we want to tweak that audio and maybe mm-hmm. add a new intro or tell people what this is. But we, oh, will yeah, put, yeah. we will put some stuff in other feeds. So for example, we had John Resig on JS Party to talk about GraphQL and it was a great episode and he's a great guest, obviously creator of jQuery, really smart guy. It was just a great episode. And we're like, we just want to share this episode with the changelog people as well. Because people listen to the changelog who don't listen to JS Party. But we're pretty sure that our changelog audience are going to want to hear John Resig talk about GraphQL. Not even really a JavaScript thing. So we would love that feature. Just like retweet, uh, (laughs) repost this episode in this feed instead. And that's, you're, you're providing for that. Anchor does something similar where like you, they give you kind of an audio library. So as you add new things, as you upload new, new artifacts and episodes into your Anchor account, they keep it around. And so at any time, you can go grab that and put it into a new episode, which mm-hmm. is similar to what you're describing there. So that is a very cool feature. Yeah, it's, it's something I really want to work on. The whole, the whole idea for Podtrix was almost almost managed podcast hosting, but I don't think that's quite the right term for it. Um, it, it. It's, I've seen so many podcast hosts from the different places that I've worked, the different things that I've done, where if you have access to the system, you have access to every show. Mm-hmm. And there's so many situations where that's just not a, something that can happen. Um, like one thing is like uh, at Lindenwood, they're really really going into podcasting right now. They have their own radio station that's on the air. Um, they are building out an entire podcast studio for any, literally anybody on campus can use it. But they're they're literally making people go get their own podcast hosting because uh, it because of the ability like, hey, we don't want you to interfere with another student's audio. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's just a database route. Right. Yeah, so if you could provide that for Linenwood, that would be a pretty cool place to start off your, yeah. your hosting. And I, I talked with uh, uh, the, the, the uh, VP of IT for the school, and he was saying, okay, people are emailing me like crazy. Um, um, he said that uh, this is something that Linenwood would be you know, heavily interested in, um, they also kind of went into like the whole distance learning thing, you know, how really cool that would be for uh, professors to upload their audio instead of into Canvas, which is our learning management system. Mm-hmm. Um, they could upload it into an RSS feed and then send out like a private feed to their students and then it just, you know, downloads to their phone. I'm like, that's not too hard to do. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely a task, but not hard to do. So that's, I've been working very closely with Lindenwood to create uh, like education specific features that would be beneficial for them and then you know, other universities. So mm-hmm. the initial focus for podcast or for uh, words are hard sometimes <laughs> for pod tricks um, was uh, podcasting for higher education after we moved out of just podcast metrics yeah. with the rapper podcasting for higher education. And then I'm like, I saw the transistor story and I'm like, I can't be too focused on one particular uh, uh, vertical because they did podcasting for businesses. Well then 
podcasting's for everybody. I mean, but so what I decided to do is I'm going to have you know, different pages. Like this is how Podtricks works for education. This is how it works for business. This is how it works for personal. This is how it works for radio. And I've already talked with a variety of friends. I'm, I'm, I have a lot of friends in the radio industry. And I talk with them and they're like, design like a, just a little appliance, like a Windows machine that will just sit on the network. We save the audio there and then we'll upload it to Podtricks. So I'm already working on that to basically have the auto upload feature. Mm. So I'm, I'm not even, I'm like planning to launch this whole product uh, December, but it's like, I got so many things, too many ideas. Yeah. I would advise focusing in. I know you don't want to be too niched down, but mm-hmm. a lot of great services and startups and businesses start in a niche and then find their way out of it. So, I mean, even, Facebook back when it was the Facebook and back when it wasn't so evil and gnarly, it started off just on campuses. Like it was for college students to do their thing. So I have, there's a similar vein here where I kind of like the podcasting for higher education angle. As long as you don't really pigeon yourself, hold yourself where you can't possibly move out of that later. Cause that allows you to actually focus in, uh, launching by December. I mean, we're almost at November here. You have all these ideas and stuff, you know, get realistic on your timelines, but uh, I would I'm think like saying. stay stay nimble and stay small until you have something tangible and then build from there. Because yeah. you can get there's shiny object syndrome all day long in businesses, and you're like all the cool things you could build, right? But which ones mm-hmm. are we? I still haven't built that ID three v two thing, even though it'd be really cool and it would be great because there's just higher priority things in our business. So yeah, focus in and, and pick one what what really sets you apart. And what I think serving higher education and these things, these features for schools specifically, could be just that. So I think it'd be a good starting place for yeah. you. Yeah, I yeah completely. Yeah, I wasn't saying that I'm oh I'm building these things and it's going to be out by December. It's like oh yeah, I can see how this thing would work and yeah, I know I understand this part of the technology. Not a priority right now. Right. But it's like it's it's. But it's fun I'm, to think I'm about. At home, yeah, I'm at home on Friday night watching Netflix. I think it would work like this. <laughs> well, you got the bug. That's a good thing. That's a good oh, thing. Oh, man. I, I can't stop coding. Sometimes it's to my own detriment. Well, that's how you learn, like, man. You just put the, you put the hours in. You put the time in. And this is a great project for you, especially you're still in college. You're still learning. Mm-hmm. You can serve people that are around you, which would be awesome if you get people actually mm-hmm. using it. And if not, like this is in a massive learning environment for you in the, like a oh, yeah. playground, an experimental place. Uh, you'll have lots of fun building this thing. Yeah. Um, well, I, I know we're almost at time here, so I'll, I'll, I'll let you get going, but, uh, uh, I'll, as I get closer to launch and release, do you mind if I send you a link to the, to the application? Sure. Get your feedback on it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have questions along the way, uh, you can email. That'd be a good way to awesome. keep in touch. Yeah. What's your email? Uh, just Jared at changelog. That's easy to remember. You can remember it. Yep. Just remember the awesome. J E R O D, not the, yes. uh, not yes. the subway guy style. I do not associate oh, with the subway no. guy. Oh, you had to go there. I did not associate with the subway, Jared. I'm far different. <laughs> I don't even spell my name like that. <laughs> All righty. Well, thanks so much, Jared. You bet, Mark. Thank you. It was fun. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, one thing. Can you send me this recording so I can include it in my project? You bet. Awesome. I also well, we might so post much. this on our backstage feed. You'd be cool with that? Yeah, cool. Yeah, just uh, let me know whenever, it, uh, whenever you plan on it going out. You bet. We'll do. All right. Talk to you later. All right. See ya.